All right, today is Tuesday, August 15th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. So uh, today we are joined by Matt Slick, who uh, who drops by and hangs out with us for a while and uh, has a good conversation, answers some questions from people, and then I don't know if, uh, if this is good or bad. I don't know if I'm, uh, you know, promoting the dawn of a new age of enlightenment or ushering in the apocalypse. But um, our, our friend, uh, Josh, Dr. Joshua Bowen, uh, he joins by at the same time that Matt Slick is there. So I make this introduction. Um, I guess history will look favorably or unfa- unfavorably at this moment, depending how it goes. Anyway, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to host this meeting of the minds and uh, give Matt Slick and Dr. Josh a chance to meet one another and... Um, I, th- I think many good discussions will come from this and be had. So anyways, stay tuned for that. This is a special quick little podcast because uh, um, I have appointments and stuff to do. I have to go make some money. Uh, speaking of, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, and you can check out the Ask a Christian merchandise store. The links are in the description. Grab a t-shirt. Grab a coffee cup. Um, grab a shirt for your dog. Um, grab a mouse pad. Grab something and uh, support us having civil discussions about Christianity, about religion with people. The world needs more Jesus, not just less Jesus. They're getting lots of religion. They're getting lots of, like, faux Jesus and pop Jesus. Uh, They're getting lots of the ultimate point of the universe is your happiness. Uh, You know, they're getting lots of that, which I think God wants us to be happy. That's fine. God wants us to be content, whatever our circumstance. That's why we have the Holy Spirit to, to give us comfort and give us peace, no matter if things are going well or very, very badly. Uh, we, we should have contentment and fullness of God in that moment. Uh, that doesn't mean God wants us to have an airplane. Um, anyway, so there is things that's more important than one person's happiness. Um, so while I think, you know, God, that God's good with that, God wants you to be happy, we should find joy in the Lord, etc., etc. But the ultimate point is Jesus. There is a heaven, there is a hell. Go to one, not the other. Um, heaven, go to heaven. That's the one you want to go to. Um, Anyways, so um, people need more of biblically accurate gospel, and somehow people are relating that to hate and rage and la da 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 la No, we really mean like we can disagree with people without hating people, and people should not hear it that way. But anyways, without compromising our convictions, the goal is to present biblical accuracy in, in, in the most true light we can. So the first century church, that's our goal. Stick there. Stay with that. Don't put doctrines of men for thousands of years on top of it. You have a Bible. Read it. Read Acts, the New Testament church, the epistles, the Ephesians, Philippians, all. That's what. That's Christian living. That's all the doctrine we need. Look at Acts 21. It says, look, it's good to us and the Holy Spirit not to burden people with more than this. Don't be sexually immoral. Don't eat food offered to demons. Uh, don't drink blood. You know, do these few things and you'll do well. And this is coming from the position of people that already believe the death, resurre- resurrection, death, burial, resurrection of Christ. They believe you must be born again. They believe anyone who calls on his name can be forgiven. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ask him to make you born again and give you eternal life. You will receive it. That's the position of the gospels outlined. Those people that believe that and they're following deci- as a disciple of Christ, then do these few things that you see in the first century church and you will be saved. That means God calls some things sin. Don't do those. God calls some things good. Do do those. Um, anyways, so that is our mission. That is what we do. So it is great to hear Matt and Dr. Josh talk for a while. Um, 
about morality and different things in the Old Testament um, and answering some of these questions. Uh, but ultimately, all things need to be back, uh, brought back to Jesus. All roads need to lead to Jesus. So even if people don't want to believe the gospel, they can still hear it a lot. And maybe someday, many moons from now, they will have it so ingrained and think, oh, I remember when I used to, you know, laugh and mock at those crazy Christian people for being too, like, I don't know, back backwards or whatever, or upside down. Uh, well, now I'm at the end of my life and I need to consider some things. Maybe, uh, maybe what they said was true. Let me give it a shot. And they will exercise faith, believe the gospel that they will remember because they've heard it so many times. They won't have to, like, watch a YouTube video. They won't have to, like, look up what is the, what is the Jesus stuff? How do I become a Jesus follower? And be pointed to something about, you know, completely heretical um, that, you know, you are your own Jesus. I don't know. So they'll have, as much as we can muster, a biblically accurate presentation of the gospel, and that will be ingrained in them. So if they don't want to believe it now, perhaps they will consider it later. Uh, for everyone that can and will believe it right now, uh, great. Congratulations. That's the mystery of the universe. You have solved it. Repent, believe the gospel, receive eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's it. Find a good church, be discipled, learn what Jesus actually says, and emulate him. God will live with you and lead you into truth and understanding. That's it. Mystery solved. Woohoo, done. Anyway, uh, that's our goal. That's our mission. If you'd like to keep us on air and support that message, please do so. Uh, enjoy your day, and we will see you later. What's up, Matt? Yeah, it's been a while. Really How are you? Doing all right. Just writing a movie review for the site and just listening. Oh, what uh, movie are you reviewing? Uh, the Meg 2. or Meg? Yeah, the Meg 2. The <laughs> Trench. <laughs> My kids saw that. They wanted to watch it. I don't know. How is it? Well, you ever seen the movie Sharknado? Yes. It's kind of a semi-realistic combo with Sharknado. It's like the two got married and had a, a, a child, and that's oh. what it was. So are you reviewing this from like a Christian perspective? or? Oh, yeah. I do movie reviews. It's not a oh. big deal, but uh, like I saw Oppenheimer recommended people not see it. You know, and I judge all movies by the second movie, Aliens, which is the per most perfect movie ever created. That's what I say. And uh, then I use what's called the right, the yeah, right scale. My daughters would see a movie that could go, yeah, right. And um, there was so many there that it was, I needed a calculator. It was like that. It was, yeah. So I think Katie, anyway, I, I, I think Katie wanted to say something real quick. Why, um, why would you recommend people not see Oppenheimer? Uh, the soft porn that's in it, for one thing. Oh, like sex scenes? Soft porn. Oh, yeah. Uh, to be descriptive without being too descriptive, let's just say that they have some nude scenes in the act of having sex, conversations, uh, unnecessary. Um, and uh, then they have scenes where she's topless, naked, actually, sitting in a chair. You only see her top, you know, off. I had to turn my head uh, several times. So maybe if and it makes like it to vid angel at some point, then. Yeah, and then uh, with Oppenheimer, it was as though, and I still don't know, but three, it was as though there were three movies at, or centered at different timelines that were interspersed. And you got to figure out what's going on. Yeah, so uh, that's just me, you know. Uh, Haiti, did you have something or are you accidentally off mute? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know why that keeps happening. Did you, did you want to say anything? No, I was just curious about Max Oppenheimer. Um, I, I'm going to wait for it to come out because I don't, I can't sit three hours in the movie theater. Um, but I, but a lot of people said it was like 
the best movie of the year. So I was just curious why Matt didn't like it. It was definitely not the best movie of the year. Yeah, usually it when was. they say it's best, <laughs> yeah, usually, well, it sounds like Matt didn't like it because of the, or, you know, because of the, the nudity or whatever. Like, what did you think besides that? Like, it was a good story or besides the stuff well, you talked yeah, about? Yeah, you know, it, it, the acting was great. The directing was great. The, the special effects were great. But as I, I'm, I haven't released my little movie review here. I've just taken a break. But as I wrote, uh, you know, in this one, it's kind of similar. Um, the special effects were good. Okay, yeah, it's good. But it was not so good uh, because of the porn and because of the, um, the, the episodic way in which this thing was put together that you had to really pay attention, struggle to figure out What's is this the the present reality or past? Then they go from color to black and white. So you figured out well that's a different time frame. And then why are they saying this? That and, and maybe it's you know because I'm so uh, analytical uh, that I couldn't follow it like others. So uh, you know but I, I was yeah it was bad. I, it sounds like I'll probably share your your view because I like I don't mind like a five minute like flashback or, you know, a little prequel scene, like at the beginning of a movie to set the stage, but movies that, that routinely jump back and forward that, that bugs me to no end because I, I don't know if I, I want things on a linear straightforward line and to just power through. So I don't want to get invested in 30 minutes of a movie and then find out 10 minutes, uh, what happened, you know, 30 years ago in this kid's life and then go back to the present. So I, uh, yeah, skipping around like that bugs me to death. I probably won't see that now because of that. Yeah, um, I got to agree. I don't like working that hard for my movies, you know, really concentrating. <laughs> That's another reason why I didn't want to see it. Because I think now I'll probably just have like the wiki page open, which will explain everything to me. Let's That's just read Matt's review. We'll just read Matt's review. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I'm, uh, And I'm like that annoying mom who's like, what's happening? Who's that girl? I, I thought that already happened. And they're just like, shut up, mom. God, you're so... Oh. Now, there was a, a prophecy from the Babylon Bee that got that right, Haiti, because my wife does that, too. And it was like, remember that, stuff I sent that to you? And it's like, uh, you know, like family something something over a woman who constantly wants to know what's going to happen and who's going to do it. And the husband, you know, <laughs> says, wait 30 seconds. And like, it's like it's like magic, like every and apparently every woman on Earth does this because everyone starts <laughs> laughing That's and they know correct. exactly what's coming. Like my, like my wife will watch something and I'm like, OK, I've never seen this movie. Neither has she. We're watching it. And I can just see what's going on. And I think. Who is that guy? Where is he from? Like, hmm, okay, I, I bet they're about to tell me. And at that moment, my wife's like, who is that? Where are they come? And I just learned to immediately pause it because I'm like, I, okay, I have never seen this. I guarantee in the next 30 seconds, they're going to answer this. And they always do. It's like, how did you know that? Well, I'm like, I don't know. This is why guys and girls are different. Not better or worse, just saying. With, <laughs> with my wife and I, it's the opposite. Absolutely the opposite. Oh. I'll, I'll sit there and say, okay, I'm a little autistic, so I think that really you know, gets in the way. And I'll say to her, who and what is happening? If she doesn't know, then it's not a good movie. And uh, uh, yeah, so I, I, that's just how it is with me. But I, I'm like, oh, crud. But seriously, Oppenheimer had too much porn in it. It was just porn. It, it just, Hollywood is just, it's just producing crap. Sorry, but it is. Well, I mean, I think like the cons like more like conservative, like you know, Christiany type spiritual movies. I mean, I think they're they're really taking away from Hollywood, and I think a lot of people in Hollywood are realizing that, and you know, they're kind of distancing themselves. 
But I, I do have a question for you, Matt. And by the way, Steph, can you send Josh? I saw him. He raised his hand a little bit ago. I, I sent him an invite, but maybe it's not letting me. Could you send Josh an invite down there? Yeah. And yeah, Matt, can I ask you the, the most recent question we had that we talked about just to get your take sure. on it? Um, it was, I already forgot the verses. I think it was Mark 16, 1 and Luke 23. No. What was it, Steph? Do you remember? It was basically about the um, the women when they came with uh, spices to anoint Jesus after he was laid right. to rest. Um, in Mark, it says after the Sabbath. In Luke, uh, and there's also a reference in Matthew, but that guy didn't bring it up. But it was like Luke, I think, 23 verses 54 and 55. And it seems to suggest he was saying before. Um, I mean, I, I think you can kind of just read. Uh, anyways, we we gave our answers, but what would you say about that if his question is, it seems like these two conflict because Mark would say they came with the spices to anoint him after the Sabbath and the other one perhaps before. Uh, actually, that was one that came up a while back and I haven't solved it. Uh, I was going to look at it. Um, and I started doing research on it. So uh, Luke, oh. no, Mark, Mark 61. See if I have it on my website, if I have written on it. But, uh, well, I guess let's tell you what we uh, what we came up with and see if you uh, agree. There, there was two okay. answers. One was okay. if you just read the if you just read the text, Mark says after the Sabbath, but Luke, um, the wording used, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. I'm not there anymore. But the wording used could could say also a proper time. It was like very early after the sun came up. So depending on the, the proper time and the Sabbath, there's no conflict just from a straightforward reading. Um, the other answer was there was two Sabbaths. Like, um, so that was the answer. So it could have been before and after in which there's no problem and both are correct. Or if you just read very, very strict to the text, Mark 1 states after, but Luke seems to suggest that depending on how very early after the morning, just when the sun had risen, uh, you know, Mary could have came and gone and then came back because I think the first time like Mary, um, only one person was mentioned. So they could have came, saw the tomb, left, then came back with the other person. Anyway, that's uh, no, that's that's good. If you notice in Luke chapter one verse three, it says that Paul uh, Luke is writing uh, to put things out in consecutive order. He specifically says that uh, when he's addressing Theophilus. So I would go with Luke as the primary order, and then I would go with Mark as um, as different. And I think the two Sabbaths idea is, is really doable, but it's something I need to finish up. And, uh, but you know, there's so much heresy that I get distracted. So, well, then let me ask you, uh, let me ask you another question. Uh, sorry, I can't mute. I'm wrangling papers. Um, so then the next question, which, you know, the guy couldn't hold himself together long enough to ask it on his own, but I asked it for him and it would be usually whenever there's these conundrums like that. And it's like, well, you know, why, why wouldn't God from the sincere person, um, like, why would God leave anything to question? Why wouldn't it just be absolutely unmistakable, um, whether it was before or after? There's a follow-up. So why wouldn't God make, why would God even leave that to question? Why wouldn't he just state in all the Gospels, it was absolutely before or absolutely after? Well, that's a good question. One of the things I've learned by through my research over the years, I think it was like 200 years ago, there were several hundred uh, discrepancies in the Bible are two or three hundred discrepancies, and now there's like just a handful that they can't solve. That uh, archaeology, writings, uh, ancient writings, and more awareness of ancient culture uh, clears a lot of things up. And it could be, hold on a sec. 
excuse me, it could be that they're written from a different perspective because in the Jewish mindset and in the secular mindset, you have different views of what you're looking at. For example, the Jews, the time frame starts and stops at sundown, but in the uh, uh, secular world, it was at midnight. So then you could have one place say it was this day, another one say it was a different day. Well, it's simply because of, of how they measured time. And it could be something similar to that. And I think that double, I really do think the double, uh, Sabbath idea is worth exploring. I would look at Luke as being clear. All right, so why would God do that? I think it's because that he wants us to study. He wants us to learn. He wants us to to dive in and gather information that a lot of people wouldn't be able to find otherwise. And I think another possibility is those who have not been given eyes to see and ears to hear will not see and not understand so that they will then be um, not forgiven. Yeah, I think that comes up a lot. Um, I, I, oh, I heard someone. I don't know if it was Steph or Haiti. Who was it? Was it was me scoffing. I'm Thank sorry. You. Just ignore me. Oh. Go ahead. Um, were you, were you scoffing at that? Because I was about to double down <laughs> or something yeah, else. Let us know. Go ahead. Minute. But yeah. well, I mean, I was going to say it was just like the parable of Jesus, right? Because a lot of times, you know, people like it is. It is amazing. Like every single time I go to church, um, it's like the message will have some little tidbit in there that. You know, from what I mean, you know, we go all through the Bible and I go to a couple different church services. So it's like there is always something in the message. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to remember that. That's so perfect because it comes up all the time. And it's just these little Bible verses that maybe in obscure books or passages that are perfect for so many of these discussions. And it's like, man, the Bible has so many answers. And when people ask just some Christian off the Internet, it's like, look, even if we give you an answer or sound something reasonable, or make a fool of ourselves, it doesn't mean we, we are the authority on, you know, the whole Bible. Like, I mean, I mean, we should be. We should know as much as we can. But ultimately, there is so much to this book that, that you'll never be able to remember every single thing, yet there's so much that applies. And if people would just get that, um, you know, it's like there's an app for that. There's a Bible verse for that. But, you know, like so many times people talk about, like, you know, why doesn't Jesus say he is God? And it's like, well, if you have just read the Bible at all, you know that he says that over and over and over. He makes lots of divinity claims, but then they're like, well, no, why didn't he actually say the words, I am God? And, you know, we, I mean, we do. We constantly go through it and we're like, well, look, he says, I am that I am before Abraham and Exodus. Like, this is why, Revelation 21. Um, and it's like, no, they want him to outright say it. And then I'm like, why do we even try? Because the Bible says it best, right? Like when they say, why do you speak to people in parables? Why don't you just be up front and tell them plainly? And, you know, this doesn't sound fun to hear if you're one of the not people that's supposed to get this. But he's like, because it's God's good pleasure to hide from it. Otherwise, the prophecy would be fulfilled, right? They have eyes to see and they don't. Or they have ears to hear if they don't. Otherwise, you know, they'd be forgiven and be healed. Um, so, I mean, he's, he gives the answer. I mean, he doesn't say, he's just like, because they're supposed to miss it. And, you know, his sheep know his voice. So, like, if you see Jesus saying, before Abraham was, I am, and you're like, Jesus is saying he's God. I guess you're just supposed to hear his voice. And if, even though I think you don't have to believe it, you should, but if you're an atheist or something and you say, well, I, I don't believe Jesus is God. I don't believe in God or anything like that, but I clearly see that he's claiming to be God. I think that's reasonable. But so many people, they're like, no, I, I don't get it at all. I don't see it. I'm like, well, I guess consider this as Jesus telling you a parable because he says some things God just straight up hides from you. I don't know where I was going with that. I got lost. No, I, I think that's a great point. And it's it's almost like 
when when I've seen discussions with Muslim apologists who want those that like specific um those specific set of words to come out of Jesus's mouth, and if they didn't, then it must not mean that he is God. But you can do the same thing with their Quran in regards to, well, um, is Jesus the Messiah according to your, to your Quran? Uh, was he the the the, the uh, born son of a virgin, Mary? Is that also in the Quran? Was he um, a messenger sent by the, the Spirit of Truth or whatever? That's also in your Quran. And you know, if they were to say, well, yeah, that's true, that's all in the Quran. And then if you were to go, well, did Jesus actually say those words? Like from himself, did he say those things? Because, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, well, just because he doesn't say it doesn't mean that he's not, you know, God, right? So it's it's kind of... Matt, do you go there? Um, do, do you go there often? I mean, you know, do you, do you would you still reason with people um, unendingly or at a certain point? Or are you just like, I guess you're just not supposed to get it? Well, it depends on the context. If I'm by myself with someone, I won't spend as much time because listeners won't benefit as much because there aren't any. So I will sometimes just uh, talk with someone so that others can learn how to do things better. Not that I always do things right, but that's the idea. And uh, so it just depends. And, and I will spend time with them to polish, to uh, polish my arguments and things like that. And uh, you're right about the Muslims. But one of the things they, they will say is uh, why you know show me a verse that says these words Jesus is God. What they're looking for is an excuse to deny, and I tell them that you're looking for an excuse to deny who Christ really is, and your Quran uh, is not trustworthy. And then I go into I attack it and go into that. But yeah, okay. I, I, yeah, I really think you know on a, on like a subtextual level. I, I I mean you know it's Romans one. Like we're not saying anything, right? Like less is more. We're we're just we're just packaging Romans one in 2023. Um, because they're looking for a reason to not to not believe. They're looking for a reason, just like the problem of evil or, you know, God doing, quote, atrocities in the Old Testament. If someone thinks, you know, God is doing bad stuff or at least not stopping bad stuff from happening, then they are more moral than God because obviously they would have stopped that. Um, and it's just like, well, that will that will justify your continued reason to not entertain. And they're like, well, I'm an atheist. I don't believe this anyway. Right. But that's going to keep you there. Like if you think there's an evil God, that's going to give you more reason to continue being like, well, I can kick this can down the road. It doesn't mean there's not an evil God out there, maybe, but I'll just kick this can down the road. And I believe, like, you know, whether they even think it or not themselves, I just kind of have a suspicion that on a spiritual level, that's just piling more dirt over the window um, or clouding the lens of God. But, um, I, I mean, it's Romans 1. We're just repackaging Romans 1. Uh, Steph, did you want to uh, talk about why you're scoffing at the Bible? <laughs> Uh, nope. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put like a pit for you to fall in, but I mean, do you, I mean, you would agree with Jesus in the parable, right? Like, you know, some stuff people are just are supposed to miss. All right. Or, or no. Yeah. Um, where is that parable? So they wouldn't be. Oh, well, you're looking welcome, Christina. Matt, do you have to oh, Sorry, <laughs> I think it's John 12. 12 ESV. Hold on. Um, yeah, hold on. Give me a second to find this. The Just like, was it was it John Henry who, who beat the machine uh, and, and then died? 
Let's see if AI can find this faster than you. Nope, okay, the I got specific, it. I, uh, beat, I beat the Matthew AI. 10, 17? Or Matthew 3, 13? Sorry, is that the one? <laughs> no, I have John 12. Okay, so it must be a well, couple. Well, maybe it's in Matthew 13. Okay, do yours the, first. The unbelief of the people. Jesus had said these things. and So this is John 12, 36 and a half. 36B. Okay. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs, uh, so though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Quote, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, uh, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, as Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So lest I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. I'm assuming his there is Christ. Nevertheless, many of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So the yeah. one you have actually might be the shorter one. I think that's the longer reference. Uh, this is about six verses. It's in Matthew 13. Let's look at Matthew 13. Okay, because I want to look at that one too. Matthew 13. Where? Oh, the purpose of the parables. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people, uh, we've got, yeah, the prophet of Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah is the same thing. This people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes for their see and your 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 eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and they did not. So when we're talking about Christ walking on earth during the incarnation and we're seeing him giving parables and he's telling people, well, I speak in parables so that there are people who don't understand and all this good stuff. I've, I'm not going to contest the Bible, of course, right? I understand this is in there. The problem I'm going to have is that when we take it and we say, oh yeah, there are some people who God just destroys for his good pleasure, right? I don't think that these verses support that. I think what it's talking about is more what Chris was talking about earlier, where there are things in the Bible that are not laid out blatantly. This isn't a recipe book, right? And it's not a science book. We have those kinds of documents from the ancient Near East. And this is not what, like there aren't, this is not what the gospels are. So we're seeing things happening while Christ is walking the earth that are specific to Christ. He's walking around and giving parables and people aren't understanding him because their ears have closed or the one I just read because God has hardened their hearts in order that the prophecy is fulfilled. And I think to take that as a blanket prescription and say, oh yeah, well, for then for the rest of time on earth, there are people that God just like, that will never be saved uh, because God likes it that way. I'm going to be allergic to when it's worded that way. Well, okay, so because God likes it that way, but I was going to say, and, and yeah, feel free to jump in here too, Matt. Um, but I, the thing I was actually thinking of, I, I was confusing them together. It's, it's before that. It's Matthew 11, and it starts at 25. But right before this, the context is he's just saying woe to unrepentant cities. And he talks about, you know, it'd be better for this, better for Tyre, better for, than Sodom and Gomorrah or whatever. Um, these things would be better because they saw these miracles. So he's like chastising all these godless cities for not repenting. And then he says the part that I was thinking about at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, uh, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Others say good pleasure. 
all things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone whom the son chooses to reveal. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and laying heart. Uh, my yoke is easy and burden light. So I mean, right there, I, I mean, I, I'm not even talking about like, you know, a Calvin Arminian thing. I, I'm just saying, but because you can read either one into that because, you, know, you know, well, to a point, Jesus chooses, but also it's God's good pleasure to hide this. But that doesn't need to, I'm not trying to make a Calvin Arminian thing about it. I'm just saying, uh, you know, if God knows because these people totally freely chose that they're never going to repent, fine. Or if God passes over them so they're never able to repent, you could read any of that. So I'm not, I'm not taking that there. I'm just saying for whatever the reason is, so Calvin's Arminians can all be friends for this, um, the people who seem in complete uh, obstinance and ununderstanding, and no matter how many times you're like, look, Jesus says he is God. Jesus says this. And they are just unwilling to go there. Then for, for not talking about the reason for that, just saying, well, perhaps you are one of these people. If you wanted to not be one of these people, perhaps you could. But as long as you remain in this state and this hardness of heart, you will never be one of those people. Uh, I don't know. What um, do you think about that, Matt? I, or, yeah, go ahead. Well, wait, real that. quick. Uh, just in the one that you read, the pleasure, God's good pleasure isn't coming from people not being saved. It's from the weak and the humble showing his glory, right? So he's saying, like, in that one, little children have seen what wise men have missed, essentially. And so, so the pleasure that God's getting isn't from the wise men being passed over for whatever reason. They're not elect or they didn't choose. It's like you say, it doesn't matter. But the pleasure God is getting is that the humble and the meek are receiving this. I don't think that that verse is saying that for God's good pleasure, he makes it so that the prideful don't, that they, that they burn in hell for eternity. Right? Well, yeah, That's I mean, where I, I'm going to. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I would agree with that. That's also not the point I'm making either. I'm not saying God's jumping up and down having a party that people's going to hell. I'm, I'm not making that point either. The only point I'm making is God hid things from these people. So whether he's like, oh, I really hate to do this, or ah, ha, ha, I'm so happy I'm doing this, I'm not making any of those points. The fact of the matter is, I'm just saying perhaps you can't understand because God has hid it from you. Um, whether free choice or not, whether happy or sad, um, the point I'm making is you cannot understand things that are, I believe are so obvious, like Jesus, like I am that before Abraham was, I am. Um, I am the Father. You've seen, you've seen the Father. You've, you've seen me. You've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Um, I will give eternal life to whoever wants. And, you know, I have the power to bring my life up again. Like who can resurrect but God? Um, so the fact that I think these things are so obvious and apparent, it's like, well, I guess I'm wrong and the Bible's right. God's hidden this stuff. Anyway, that's the only point I make. What do you, what do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, it's a controversial topic. Um, and uh, you go to Proverbs 6, uh, 14, 6, God makes all things, even the wicked, for the day of destruction. You go to Romans 9, 22 and 23. And what if God, all the willing to demonstrate his wrath, endured with much patience, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. And he did so. And it goes on. So does God do that? Yeah, uh, in his good pleasure. There's some interesting stuff about the word pleasure and how God has pleasure, literally, in the destruction of people in the Old Testament, and I can show it to you, where God does say he takes pleasure in the death of the wicked. Well, right. if that's the case, then uh, we've got a lot of uh, you know, examination to to see about that. But uh, I can get into it. I more, usually cause more problems than, than people want to get into. <laughs> 
Well, let's see what Christina has to say. <laughs> you want to jump in on this, Christina? Mm, I had come up, I kind of missed the wave, but I had come up to explain um, the Sabbath thing. Sure. And oh, uh, I feel like we've kind of, I'm kind of missed the wave because I couldn't come up at the time. But um, the Passover and the Jewish high holidays are called high Sabbaths. Um, because when we read about them in Leviticus 23, those are days of rest. So on the weekly Sabbath and on all of these high holidays, you'll hear God say, on them do not do any work. Jesus was crucified on the day of preparation for the Passover. The reason they had a day of preparation was because they couldn't do any work. So even slaughtering the animal and all of that, and, and all of the preparation that they had to do, they had to do it before that Sabbath started. And it really points to Jesus being our Passover lamb. So when we see the two accounts of two Sabbaths there, they're speaking of the high holiday, the Passover, and then the seventh day Sabbath, which, you know, was every week. So it's not a discrepancy. And I, I really wanted to come up and just do that justice right quick because it is a point of confusion for some people. I don't know if the person who asked is still in the audience, but yeah, that's why there are two Sabbaths mentioned. All of those high holidays are days in which are holy convocations in which they were to do no work. So that's why it's uh, mentioned that way. Well, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. And yeah, that guy's that guy's gone. But I mean, I, yeah, I think he. I mean, he got the answer, um, maybe without the explanation. But um, thank you. What's up, Frank? What's up, everybody? What's good? Just came. Oh, out. another day. Another day. Just no. hanging out, or do you have a question or a topic? Oh, just going to hang out, bro. I'm just woke up right now. <laughs> okay. Oh, there is Leon. Leon is still here. Yeah, so he did hear you, Christina. But that was a great answer. That was definitely a good on point. Thanks, guys. No yeah, way. I skipped over. That. Yeah, stick around. Let us know anything else you want to say. Golden, what's up, Golden? Sorry, I skipped you. No, it's no problem. What's going on? Um, uh, I got a question. What's good, bro? Oh, no. What's good, Golden? Uh, well, yeah, what's your question? Why'd she say, oh, no, for? I don't get that. I'm I don't so know. Excited. I mean, I have. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe she hit her. Maybe she hit her toll, bro. You never know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's all good. All I don't right, know what's right. happening, but yeah, go ahead and ask your question, Golden. So Nate, so Nate um, in your Trinity, mm. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have eternally existed together, and they have eternally been Lord. Yes or no? Sure. You said sure. They have eternally been Lord and they have eternally existed together. Now, everybody heard him say yes when sure. I asked him. He said sure, okay? I'm <clears> just <throat> trying to kick this can down the road. I'm, I'm just trying to placate you to move to you know move to where you're going. Oh, you're saying that was a sarcastic sure, but it wasn't a sincere? It was sure. Like, no, sure, I, I'm sure. saying... <laughs> I'm saying sure, like let's move on. Like unless you're gonna like take this in a very different way, yes, they've all eternally existed. They're all Lord. They're all God. The same God. Three persons, one God. So they eternally. I was just been saying. Lord. Have they eternally been Lord? What do you mean by Lord? That's what I was trying to say. Like capital Lord, like Yahweh, the God, that Lord, like like that. Then sure. Lord, Lord, Elokurios. Like Lord, Lord deals, like Lord deals with something else in relationship to lordship. 
So to say that there is Lord before the creation of the universe is a non sequitur, doesn't logically follow, because there was no nothing or no one to be Lord in relationship to. Like so a king the, without a kingdom. Yeah, the question doesn't um, does not uh, demonstrate a knowledge of the relationship of God to His creation yet. So, Nate, have they been Lord? Master, curious means master. That's what. Can you see, why I, see why I said can you sure? Can you define what Lord is in the context? Well, and when you look in, when you look into the New Testament, and you look at the word curious, it means master. Yes, That's and I'll it say it again. It's in relationship from God to something else other than Himself. Well, that Lord eight. of all, Lord of the universe. And so if you say he's always Lord, then you, you have a logical problem because you're saying, is he Lord before the universe existed? Well, then how could he be Lord of something that doesn't exist? Right. Okay, all right. So how can he be God over himself? That means according to what you just said, hold up, hold up, hold up, Matt. According to what you just said, you have to have something to be God over in order to be God. So before there was humanity, before there was the universe, before there was anything in creation, there was no God then, according to what you just said. Checkmate. I got a question. No, yeah, check me. Now, I got a question. Can a fireman be a fireman without hold having up, hold to put on no, fire? No, 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 let Matt no. open hook. You made well, a statement. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, Golden, Golden, Golden. golden. So no. wait, we're, here to answer, we're, we're here to answer questions, but I've yeah, recently... But course, I, hold on. I've recently made a new determination that there actually are such things as stupid questions. So I, I want to entertain you, but if you could just, if we could just stipulate everything you're saying just as you want it and get to the point you're actually going to make like, haha, gotcha. There is no God or there is one God or you are God. Like, like just fast walk us to where you're trying to go because this is probably the worst that Nate, I've heard I think about. The like, best thing to do. I just want to give you a chance to like give us your ultimate point. Like if I start talking about Jesus or something like that, you say, okay, I don't have time. No, no, no. Okay. Thanks for playing. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. There is salvation for you. Turn to Jesus and pray to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness and salvation. You'll receive it. Um, I, I mean, I was tr I'm just saying, man, like, I don't have time. That's, that's more crazy than can it was, the Trinity ontological or economical. Oh, repent. Um, it was pretty idiotic, the fact that he needs, like, you need creation to be God. Like, he's God without creation. Well, I mean, that, yeah, what does he want him to be? Like, without creation, he's still the being that, that exists eternally. So, so if, do you not like the title? That's why I said, sure, I was just trying to move this thing down. Because it's like, well, if you want to be God... But you don't have anything to be God over. Does he? Is the name the problem? Should we call God Bob? Like before <laughs> Bob created stuff, he was Bob, and now he becomes God. Like, but I seriously, just, I just don't. My analogy was perfect. The fact that you don't need to be, you don't need to have patience to be a doctor. You can still be a doctor without having patience. Um, Matt, I don't know. Would you like to? Would you like to bullet point that or anything? Or, or I don't know. Kind of jump to the end or give some it's... words of wisdom. Yeah, always define terms and uh, see if the initial premise is logically true. And so he wasn't doing either one. And he failed to understand what lordship is. It's related to God to something else. So to say that God is Lord without anything else 
shows a lack of understanding of that term and therefore is, is producing a faulty argument. So that's, instead of going ahead, I, I don't let them go ahead. I say, that shows, and I'll say, without being disrespectful, that shows a lack of understanding of what is going on with that definition. And so therefore, uh, we need to you know, review it more, more. So that's what I, I do. And he made a mistake. Oh, oh, oh no, Matt. You the one that made a mistake oh. because okay. I wrote How is he back here? Can I talk to him? Can I talk to him just for a little bit? I want to talk to Matt. Yeah, yeah. Matt, All right, Matt, go ahead, Matt. Matt, you made a mistake and you know that you made a big time mistake and you didn't think about what you said. You said that lordship comes with a relationship and in order to be eternally lord, you would have to have something to be eternally lord over. So likewise, in order to be eternally God, you would have to have something to be eternally God over. That's it, Matt. You shot you no, shot yourself no. in the tongue and you shot yourself no. in the foot. Yes. Can I respond yes. to you, please? You can respond. Lordship by default deals with relationship, but God does not. God is by his own essence and his being, his ontological existence, which is eternal. Uh, Psalm 90 verse 2, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So that's what it's talking about there. So what you did was you created a, a category error in logic. So you talked about a, an issue of relationship, and then you combined it with the issue of ontology. And it, it just demonstrates, no disrespect, man, in all seriousness, but it demonstrates your lack of ability to understand categories and how to apply them together. So you made a mistake there in logic. All right, I'm going to say where you just messed up again. You said etern from eternity, you quoted a Bible verse, you said, from eternity to eternity, you are God. Within the title of God, you have master. God is master from eternity to eternity. Lord Curios means master. So you just playing semantics right now. So when I asked, were all three eternally Lord, which means master, and God is master, you said that in order to be Lord, which is master and God equals master as well, you would have to have something to be Lord over. So you can make all of them little sarcastic um, shots at me and insults, but you're still in the same doghouse because God is master and Lord means master as well. So you shot yourself in the tongue. All right. Um so uh, it's not an issue of sarcasm. It's not an issue of an insult. It's just an issue of your failure to understand logic and uh, sufficiently. You, you just don't understand the, the issue. Can I uh, ask you a question here? Do you know the differences between ontology and a relationship? Yes, I do know the difference between what's, ontology, what's ontology? and relationship. What's ontology, ontology deals with the nature of the divine okay. God. It's an okay, easy so do you, okay, got you. Does God have a seity? Does he have what? Seity. I mean, I imagine he would. He's God. Seity is the eternal nature of him being God without change, without beginning, without dependence upon anything. So that's that's dealing with the ontological nature of God. Lordship it deals with God in relationship to something else. So you've, really the, the, category, the category of ontology and the category of relationship are different. And but you combine them. And so Matt, you just made... 
I'm just telling you, you don't know logic very well. You make it, okay. If you're not listening, if you're not open to being corrected, then you're prideful and stubborn. No, I'm not prideful and stubborn. Yes, you are. You're not listening. You're not listening. You're not interacting. You're not. Okay, dude. Look, you're not listening. You don't understand the issues. All right. You do not. Can you let me finish, please? I let you finish. No, you didn't let me. You are, uh, you're, besides you being rude, you're also illogical and you're uninformed. You made several logic errors. I'm pointing them out to you. And all you do is ignore them. So you're stubborn and you're not teachable. All right. So I say we move on. Okay. Let me ask you. Okay. So he asked me. So, Matt, I was going to say a little bit ago, Steph, so help me if you bring him back. Do not. I won't. I won't. I won't. <laughs> Matt, I, I was going to say so, like, when people, I don't know, I, I'm trying to resolve more and more because we just deal with insane minutia all day every day and it, it's less and less of an effort to talk about the actual things christians want to talk about um because we just get sidetracked into stuff like this um what would you what would you tell this guy like i was trying to say earlier you know he um he wanted to talk about the trinity or whatever um but if someone's like you know uh, muslim person or atheist person what's the most important thing you would want to tell me if you had like a minute to say it um and then, you know, you get all kinds of stuff like, you know, for our friend, um, some of our Unitarian people, I'm like, what's the most important thing to say to someone about like, you know, eternal life or the ever after or whatever you believe. And then one, one guy is like, to tell them the Trinity is a lie. I'm like, really? So that's the most important thing you'd want people to say? So anyways, in a nutshell, what's, what's the one thing you'd say to someone like this? Uh, because if you're like, what's the most important thing? And they're talking about the Trinity and they're all this other stuff, nonsense, like, you got a minute to tell this guy the most important thing on earth that you could possibly tell them. What would you say? Well, ultimately, it's that they need Jesus as their Savior, obviously. It's always the most important in any scenario. Yeah, I guess so. Like, how would you, how would you want to leave that conversation? I mean, I... Well, there are people who, uh, who are not teachable, as I said to him. He's not teachable. He doesn't understand the issues. And when people, you encounter people, at least in my experience, you encounter people who are not teachable and don't know the issues, then you really can't get anywhere with them. You've not been doing this for so stinking long. So I just say, look, we're going to move along because you're not uh, understanding the basic issues. He was, it's called conflation. What he was doing was combining categories. It's just, a, he made a huge mistake. He doesn't understand. So if they're not going to be teachable, it's just time to move on. That's all. And you do, you stop uh as the Bible says, don't cast your pearls before a swine. I'm not calling him a swine. The, the principle is don't waste your time after a while. You got to move on. And that's it. So that, that's what I do. And, and uh, we got rid of him. So good. Yeah. And more and more, I think it's kind of like the, um, <laughs> you know, the, the street preachers that, you know, wear the signs on them that say like repent and the end is near their hair is all disheveled. And, you know, it's probably like a modern day John the Baptist. Like <laughs> I can, I can relate to that more and more. Like, you know, how he, how he, how he looks insane, like eating bugs, like all, all disheveled, like just preaching, repent, the end is near. But what do you think about this very obscure passage in Isaiah? Repent, the end is near. Like, I think like, look, it's all, I mean, we want to have an answer we have, you know, like first Peter, like we want to have an answer. We want to contend with people. We want to make good cases for what we believe and why we believe it. But ultimately it's like, well, if there's not going to hear it and they're going to have this opaque lens and there's not going to even try to see the other side, um, then I guess in parting, it's like, well, I guess, you know, they could hear the gospel. Uh, if they're not going to believe it, they could still hear it a lot. So I'm like, well, look, if you ever, if you ever come to your senses and realize that, you know, uh, a concept you have difficulty wrapping your head around, um, 
you'd, you'd rather find out a better way or a different way to start than is Jesus pray to that guy, pray directly to Jesus, seek Jesus directly. Um, you know, stop talking about Trinity, stop watching a lot of YouTube videos of Christian apologetics. Like you, you should have heard by now what Christians actually believe. And, and that's where to start. So I don't, I don't know, but, um, more and more, I, re I think I should just like have the audio version of standing on a corner with like, repent the end is near sign and just being like that crazy guy. And then maybe someday if people are like, ha look at him, look at him. They'll be like, oh no, I'm on my deathbed. What was, what, what was it Christians believe? Oh yeah. I've heard the gospel so many times. <laughs> maybe they'll recall it. Uh, Joshua, what's up? Are you speaking? Yeah, sorry. I think my connection's sort of coming in and out. Can you hear me okay? Uh, yeah, you're good. Yeah, I, <clears throat> you brought in a heavyweight, Nate, you know. So, so, so that. Yeah, we were seriously outclassed there. Do you have any topics of interest or anything to college. say? Or, you know, feel free to ask a Matt. <laughs> I mean, I, I did want to say... Um, if you guys can still hear me, I keep getting this orange bar. Um, that there, I, I realize or you said earlier about atheists and uh, you know, wanting to bring up things like Old Testament problems um, to sort of, you know, in your opinion, like stay steadfast in their atheism. I mean, there are reasons that, uh, you know, other people do engage in that, you know, uh, and, and I think some of those are very frequently um, to try to argue that, you know, we, we shouldn't be. Uh, for example, basing a moral system uh, on an ancient text. And so I think those are other reasons that those sorts of things come up. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, and that's... That. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Now, here's another logical error. When people say, for example, uh, it's an ancient text, so therefore we shouldn't ba base our, our uh, morality on it. What does an ancient text have to do with something morally true or false or reliable or not? It's a genetic fallacy in that it's old, therefore it can't be trusted. Uh, it's, a, it's an illogical statement. This kind of thing is said a lot, you know, by atheists. Uh, we don't want to trust an ancient text, really. So yeah, why? To be clear, Matt, I, I, didn't, I didn't say that you don't want to do that because it's an ancient text, right? I'm saying you don't want to do it on an ancient text that we have, right? Th those things are not causally linked. Why not? Why shouldn't we? Well, because I think people that work with ancient texts realize that the moral structures that are, huh? I'm sorry, are, you're confusing me. Uh, I don't understand what ancient text has to do with morality. Could you explain that? Sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm saying that, for example, if we have a <clears throat> the Epic of Gilgamesh. Um, that reading through the Epic of Gilgamesh and then saying, uh, you know, we should we should look at what Gilgamesh does or Enkidu does, and we should you know, base our morality on that, or what Shalmash commands him to do, or something. That uh, we we shouldn't do that because of what those commands are, and that doesn't you know really uh, seem to line up with you know moral intuitions or you know whatever it is that people want to base their moral theories on. But um, those are pretty typical across. Uh, ancient Near Eastern texts, including the Hebrew Bible. So that's why. Are you an atheist? I'm just curious. I am, yeah. Okay. So thanks. Um, 
so what uh, atheists often make this mistake uh, in that they just compare the Bible to any other ancient text and say there's an equivalence there, but it's not an equivalence. Uh, the reliability of the Old Testament, New Testament documents compared to the others is uh, incomparable. Uh, it's, they are incredibly accurately well-preserved. That's one thing. Internally, we have prophecy, which can be verified. We have the, the work of Jesus historically uh, written in the four Gospels. We have historical accuracy in so many other areas. It's just not the same thing as other books, so that's a mistake. And uh, if you can talk about moral intuition, then you're talking about subjectivity. If you're a, a, an atheist, you have no universal moral standard by which you can say something ought to be done or not ought to be done. Instead, you have to give us a logical reason why it would not be a good idea to, to use the Bible. Uh, but then you'd have to give us the explanation, is it a moral ought or a logical ought? And you won't be able to do either one. Just go ahead and try it again. Well, first of all, Matt, be a little nicer. Um, I feel like hey, I'm being pretty um, nice to you. So well, stand I by. Nice, hey, but hey, I, I thought you, I was too. I let you talk. I let you talk, big guy. We're um, all so, friends here. Oh, yeah. So, so the the statement uh, about all ancient texts being equivalent, like I don't know where you're getting that, but they're they're certainly comparable. And the idea that you know something like the Hebrew Bible is you know uh, you know s somehow. Uh, you know, astronomically more reliable or something is just patently false. Um, so, you know, I mean, as, as far as an ancient Near Eastern text goes, it's it's right on par with what we see uh, in the rest of the ancient Near East. So, like, I, I I don't I don't I don't know where you would I don't know where you would go with that. Um, and I'm not a you know a philosopher, and I'm not an ethicist. So, if you wanted to have that conversation, you'd have to talk to somebody that has training in that field. Well, um, I, I, I don't know how to be nice uh, the way you want me to be nice to tell you the facts. So uh, what I'll do is risk offending you by telling you the facts. Well, how about not and, ending uh, your uh, statement with try again? How about that? All right. Uh, how about uh, it's your turn to make sense of this? How about that? If I say that. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, that's that much better. Fair. That's much more cordial, okay. Matt. And I'd like uh, to jump so, in here in a second after Matt. So you are obviously uninformed about the reliability, textual reliability of uh, the documents of the Old Testament and New Testament. I would suggest that you study them. Uh, you will find that the documents are incredibly well reserved and to equate them with other uh, documents like that just demonstrates a lack of study uh, on your part regarding this. Oh dear. Um, yes. Oh, uh, should should we warn? Should we give Matt some more context on who he's talking to? Because I'm yep. starting to get nervous. You know, I, I think way, so. hang, hang, hang I on, think... wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, Josh, uh, real fast. I don't want to derail us. I I want Matt and Josh to be able to have a conversation as long as they want. But just since uh, Josh, where you did answer or you did respond to something I said uh, a long time ago, like two hours ago before Matt even got here. So let me, let me just respond to that so everyone's on the same page of what I was talking about. Um, so, so it was a claim I was making, Josh. Um, can you, can you, do you remember what you said uh, before this started? I just want to like set the stage and respond and then get us all on the same page. Do you remember the, the thing you said yeah, about? And I, um, yeah. And I, so I, I catch about 96% of what you guys are saying. It, it keeps giving me this orange bar. So I lose like two words here and there, but I think you asked me uh, to like, say what I started off with. And um, yeah, the, the only point that I was making is that 
um, I, I think it was you, Nate, that said, uh, like, the reason that something like atrocities in, in the Old Testament, and it was among other things that you were talking about, um, are brought up so that, like, atheists can say, like, God is the moral monster or, or something oh. akin to that. Okay, um, right. Yeah. Sorry. So, okay. So, yeah, to get us on the same page, like, I, I was just making a claim. Like, it's just my suspicion. The same way that I would make the claim, can't prove it, but, you know, believing this God, uh, the only pe- the only way people are able to have some sort of moral judgment anyways, or some concept of morality, is because whether they like it or not, or admit it or not, we're still created in the image of this God. So, to further that claim from the Old Testament up until now, why anyone can even say God's good or bad or have any sort of concept of morality is because they are still created in the image of that God. So I'd say it's the same morality. So if we want to talk about like explicit commands where God says do this or something bad happened, I'm just I'm talking about like the general in the image of God, you know, Magio Dei or whatever, um, how we instinctively have always known. So talking about ancient texts and what predates the Bible or what outdates the Bible or whatever, um, or postdates the Bible, the Bible and the morality, the morality in the Bible goes back to the beginning of time. So to say, well, it's an ancient text and therefore that's bad. Well, that's like saying, you know, oxygen, since it's been around a really long time and it's really ancient, that's that's somehow negative. No one would say that. Yeah, so, I mean, and, I, and, I didn't, if anything, and I didn't say that. Just I, I know. I, I'm, okay. Anyways, well, that's what I got, so you can clarify. But anyway, so the point is, it, it, if anything, it's more timeless. So it's like the same morality of God. Like people always, always have known somewhere in them that murder is wrong. Uh, you know, uh, cheating people is wrong. Lying to people is wrong. Adultery is wrong. And that's been carried from the beginning of time up until current times. So, and everyone knows that. So we may quibble about finer points, but that would be the ultimate claim I was making. So um, it looks like you may be on the phone. I don't know. No, no, sorry. I, I did. I did get a call, but I hung up. Yeah. And, and just, so I, it's, oh, sorry. Okay, just, just so it's clear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard. I, sorry. I did hear you. Uh, the, and, and to be clear, the only point that I'm trying to make here is that while that is certainly, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. That is uh, absolutely a, a, a reason that people bring this up. Um, but there are there are people that are not atheists, right? There are people that are uh, that would identify as Christians uh, that would say, "Yeah, these you know things like slavery in the Old Testament, for example, um, are are very problematic." And and the reason that they bring that up is to then go on to say, "Look, we you know we should we should not be." Uh, going back to this ancient text or that ancient text in order to establish morality sort of slavishly, um, but instead, you know, take it as a, you know, in a, in a, in a broader uh, interpretive model. That's the point. That's the only point that I was making. Okay. And then I'd like to turn it back over to you and Matt, as long as I can, as long as I can handle not jumping in and interrupting. But I would just say, and yeah, when I was saying it justifies atheists to keep on being atheists, I, I, I meant that in the, is it affirmative rather than negative? Like I, I basically meaning anyone. So like to cover everyone who's not a Bible believing, God fearing Christian, right? Disciple of Christ considers Christ the way anyone who's not that will be something to keep them believing or not believing whatever they are. So like Jesus is the, is the thing here, right? So not to say this is specific for atheists or Islam or whatever, but it's if you can justify these things as being bad, that will keep you that serves as one more stumbling block to keep you from entertaining the God of the Bible. So no matter what theistic place you're coming from. But yeah, Matt, sorry. Awesome. I, just, I don't know if that helped or made things worse, but that's what we were actually talking about. Um, so yeah, go uh, go back to it, guys. Well, we're so off, we're off topic in the flow. I, I'm not sure where we were. 
So. <laughs> uh, okay, it's... well, you guys were talking about, you were talking about like texts in the Bible and I, I was just trying to, you know, respond to Josh about the point I was actually making earlier. But yeah, basically it's timeless. So morality, whether you're talking about ancient text, yeah. it's the same morality well, then as now. Yeah, go ahead. What I find interesting is when atheists like to say what ought to or ought not be done, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, morally. I just want to know what universal standard of morality they're in contact with, by which they can then make an objective standard with a universal content. Uh, they don't have that. I, I'd like to see that justified. They can say, I, you know, I don't like what the Old Testament says. Okay, you don't have to like it, but you don't have the right to say it ought not be used because that's a moral issue. You're saying then, in, uh, without no, realizing it, you're in contact with or you know of some moral standard by which you can then say that book ought not be used. That one over there ought not be used, but this one ought to be used. So it's a, it's a problem for an atheist uh, to demonstrate any moral absolute by which they can make those judgments stand. That's my point. Uh, that's all for you, John. I have to say that's a that's I a straw man. Uh, I, I have to say that's a straw man because um, the understanding of the Bible um, of what it means in its original context is not the same as what it means to religious people long, long after that. So we should differentiate between when one is reading with religious presuppositions and when one is reading without those presuppositions. And I think if one reads without those presuppositions, one is going to be hard-pressed to say that it's a relevant book to continue basing a morality on. If you have a religious view of the text, that's fine, but then you're in, different, you're in totally different disciplines of reading text. No, it's a different issue. Uh, when people say something ought to be done or ought not be done, there, there's different ways the ought can be understood. Uh, is it a moral ought? Is it a logical ought? It is an ought of, of habit, an ought of practicality. But what we're talking about here, the issue of morality is a moral ought. So how then does an atheist, any atheist, justify logically uh, the standard by which they can say a moral ought even exists and which moral ought it should be. Because without those things, then all an atheist is doing is just giving an opinion, which I'm not saying, okay, yeah, yeah you can have a right to be an opinion and have an opinion. That's not a problem. But you don't have the right to say it ought not be used as a text for morality. So if someone were to say the Bhagavad Gita ought not be used as a text of morality, one of the things I'm going to say is, okay, what's the reason for that? Even though I'm a Christian and I agree with the with the conclusion, but what's the premise that lead to it? I want to know if they're what they're they're getting at. Like the Quran ought not be used as a moral standard, and I can give you logical reasons why that is the case. So I, I like to at least defend that position logically, and I don't see atheists being able to do that. And speaking of atheists, Josh, are you still able to talk? Oh yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just I think I I made it pretty clear that I'm not an ethicist, so. Uh, that wasn't the point of me bringing that up. Uh, I think if, if you do want to, you know, engage with me and you don't have to, it's fine. Um, on my, you know, more of my area of specialization, then we can talk for a few minutes about, you know, the reliability of the Hebrew Bible or, you know, the, sort of the claims that you made about that in comparison to other engineers and texts. But, uh, you know, if, if we want to go down the morality track. I mean, you'd have to talk to somebody that has training in it. 
saying then that the, the Bible ought not be used because it's not reliable. Then we get into the issue, well, what designates reliability and how much of a text corruption, whatever it is, and variance, does it, does it mean that something is no longer reliable? If you are an expert, someone's, I think, I think someone said you kind of are, I don't know, an expert in ancient Near East texts, then you should know that. You should know that, uh, that the, the Old Testament documents are very reliable, you know, with the Dead Sea Scrolls, which I've been in Dead Sea Scroll Cave 1. That's, sorry, it's a shameless bag. A brag, but I've been in it. But nevertheless, the reliability of the book of Isaiah, for example, was established by that. A New Testament document is a different category, but uh, they're incredibly reliable. So, yeah, so I, I, I guess you I, just, oh, sure. I'm just... Can I, I just want to make a note, just a quick note about the reliability of text. I think a better word might be stability of the text. Um, the stability of the text from the Dead Sea Scrolls forward is well attested to. But we do know that the stability of those texts up until that point was in flux. And I think those are two different things. Those reliability and stability are not the same thing. Yeah, and that's I, a good point. And I, I guess I just don't know what you mean when you say reliability. So what, what, what do you mean by that, Matt? That when they were originally copied, the autographs existed, that the representation of them through copying is, uh, I like that word stable, stability, is, is that they are, are stable. And, and here's a, an example of something I give, you know, if I were to write a letter to somebody for 500 words long, and someone were to hand copy it, and the word the is missing in one place, does it mean the document's no longer reliable? It's no longer worthy of, of examination or trust. And then we get to the issue of, well, if it's not, one doesn't do it, then how about two words? Well, then, if it is two words, well, what does it mean? At what point? Uh, is it in a moral statement? It is a reliability statement, a fact statement, and then we have a discrepancy. There's, it's just not that simple to go through and just examine really quickly. It's worth uh, a longer and deeper discussion, that's all. Sure. It sounds like what you're talking about is they're reliable as far as textual criticism is concerned, right? And I, I don't have any problem yes. with that. Um, I don't know what that gets you, though, as far as this this is concerned. Well, my apologies. I thought that's what you were issue you were dealing with. So I I misread you then. I, I apologize for that. So now I'm really confused. What's, what's the yeah? Sorry. Uh, yeah. So the point that I was making didn't have anything to do with textual criticism. If if the point is to try to ascertain what. Um, you know, the text would have said in antiquity, like, then you'd be much better served to use Mesopotamian text, right? Because we have the originals. But, um, like, I don't think that's what you meant by that. So uh, it sounded like you were saying that uh, there's something, uh, because of the reliability of the texts, uh, that that somehow makes them more... Um, I don't want to say reliable, but like a, a better, how about that? Like a better source for uh, a moral system. That's because you made a comparison between them and the ancient Near Eastern texts. And I, I guess I just didn't understand what that distinction was to indicate. Yeah, I think we're just speaking past each other. And my apologies for my failure in that area. It's probably um, my fault, to be honest. So go, go ahead, Matt. So. Cool. But uh, just because something's ancient and 
uh, doesn't mean it's, it's good or bad morally. And just because it's well preserved from the original writings to now doesn't mean it's good or bad morally. I agree. Hundred percent. Both of those statements. Yep. Hundred percent. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. You and I probably have some good conversations. What are what's your expertise? Um, yeah. So I uh, I got a master's in theology in Old Testament studies um, from Capital Bible Seminary back when it was still Capital Bible Seminary. I think it's currently Lancaster Bible College, but. And then I went on and got a PhD in a Syriology minor in Hebrew Bible from Johns Hopkins. Um, so I, 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 this is like, I get excited when we talk about this sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, like the morality stuff, like uh, it's definitely not my, definitely not my field. Interesting. Well, you're, even though you're an atheist, you are someone I'd like to keep in contact with because I'm sure I could learn a lot of interesting uh, facts from you. Oh, it'd be very, uh, be very happy to do that. I think I follow you, Matt. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know how to use the app well enough to have yeah, done that. Yeah. So, yeah, I just followed you because I'm like, oh, okay, cool. who is this guy? <laughs> you, you know, seriously. Well, I don't, uh, I don't know if I have a hand in ushering in the dawn of a new age or the apocalypse, but I'm glad to, glad you guys both met. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's he obviously okay. I'm just going to say this. He's obviously intelligent, educated, articulate, and uh, he doesn't have a, a, a chip on his shoulder. So that's good. I like atheists like that. We uh, like you wrote the. Well, it's true. I have atheist guys. I would say, here's my keys in my house. I got to go away for a week. Let's see you later. Uh, he's not an obstreperous twit, as so many of them are, and Christians as well. But So you wrote the Atheist Handbook to the Old Testament, Volumes 1 and 2. Interesting. Yes, and did the Old Testament endorse slavery, second edition, yep. also known as as one half of the digital Hammurabi. My wife, Megan Lewis, hosts a Misquoting Jesus podcast with Bart Ehrman. Whoa. Yeah, she's she's way smarter than I am. And she's a Christian, so I don't know what, you know, that, that might be a... Listen to a... her, believe. <laughs> wow. Man, I'd go sit with you two and talk. Your resistance to deny empirical evidence, you admit she's smarter. Therefore, <laughs> she, she definitely is. She definitely is way, way smarter. Wow. I, okay, so uh, I said try again earlier. I guess I was a little bit. Uh, no, no, I, I, I got okay. sensitive about that. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have snapped back like that. Well, yeah. Um, I, let's put it this way. I, I don't know if you know what I do, but I deal with so many people that I my fuse is a little bit short sometimes, but I don't know. I, I get it. No, and I'm, I'm very familiar with you, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Red stuff on cars. Question. Sure. Man. So my, my question to both of you guys is, and whenever you're, you know, getting all your stuff, Joshua first, um, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess it was like kind of a secular school, like, you know, probably not a lot of people believed in, in Christianity where you were. Is that correct? It was just like an academic pursuit. Is that, is that right or wrong? No, I mean, most of the people in the Near Eastern Studies Department identified as Christian. Um, they might not have been Christian from, like, your perspective, and I don't mean that in a bad way, just that I think you would probably say, yeah, you know, they're, you know, like if they're Catholics or if they're a certain type of Protestant. But, yeah, they they, they were very, I don't know of any okay. atheists. Well, uh, well at least my question would, would be for you and the opposite for Matt, like, during your, your years of study, and Matt, like, you know, decades of doing this. Um, did you, or why didn't you, like, was this academic pursuit for you, uh, Joshua? And did you ever, like, 
think, hey, maybe this is real. You know, what about the spiritual aspect and, you know, go on a spiritual journey through all your studies? Or did you compartmentalize and just treat it as scholarship? And then, you know, the same question, but opposite to you, Matt, like during encountering all of these questions to Christianity, did you just always look for answers? Um, or did you ever think, well, you know, let me just consider, I don't know, maybe there is no God. Maybe I should have a crisis of faith. That, that would be something I'd like both of you to answer. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it real quick and then I'll probably have to just listen in because I get back in and do some stuff. But um, yeah, I was a, so I was a fundamentalist evangelical Christian for 25 years. So I got my bachelor's at Liberty uh, University and then I got my master's from a very fundamentalist school. Um, and like when I went to Hopkins, it was to, you know, lead souls to Christ. Um, but then I, I had to engage with the ancient Near Eastern uh, texts and culture and history and all that stuff. And I, I deconverted, uh, while I was there. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I was very, I, I mourned the loss of my faith, uh, during the first year and a half that I was there. Uh, and I, I still wrestle with that. Um, so I, like, I don't feel like I have any like anti-theist. I mean, obviously yeah, my wife's a Christian. I don't have any anti-theist leanings or anything but um yeah that's that's sort of my backdrop but i i am gonna go on mute i'm so sorry i I just but i do want to hear matt's response as well but i'll drop down to the audience so thank you i know both of you have to go and so do i but but yeah matt so i I guess same but opposite question of you as long as you've done this like what did you ever did you just always hear a a confrontation or hear a, a problem with christianity and immediately just think how do i beat this or did you ever hear some things that are like wow that's really good. And like, consider maybe there is no God or how did you approach that and maintain your faith? Uh, that's There's both, uh, there's aspects of truth in both of those. Did I always, well, no, I became a Christian, but my conversion was incredibly dramatic and I can never deny it. And so I always known at that point that he's true. There have been challenges to my faith over the years, but those have gradually been whittled away and answered. Um, and so, uh, I can say that, you know, I'm 66 and it doesn't mean I'm right, but you know, after all these years of studying, I'm absolutely more convinced of the truth of the scriptures and of who Christ is and what he did than ever before. And, um, you know, I could, you know, answer, fill in the gaps there, but, uh, but Dr. Whatever, whatever your name is, dang it. I'm bad with names. Joshua Bowen. Joshua Bowen. So maybe we could talk sometime if you're interested, about uh, some things that, uh, how do I say this politely? And I mean it this way. Atheism fails at and Christianity succeeds at in uh, explanations of phenomena, truth values, universals, intelligibility, things like that. I don't know if you're interested sometime. He gone. Anyway. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he said he followed you, so everyone followed everyone. So yeah, I appreciate you uh, stopping by. I know you have to get back to doing some work and stuff. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get going. I really enjoyed talking to him, and may, I just thought he was an average atheist guy, but he's obviously not. So uh, I want to talk to him more. And I would enjoy it. Well, I'm sure he'll but have, have you as a going. guest on his podcast. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, but I gotta get going. I, I'm just in the middle of stuff, and I just stopped in to <laughs> say hi and listen and uh, stuff like that. So it was good. It was fun. Um, I'll talk to you guys later. All right. All right. Take Bye-bye. care. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye.